What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel and I'm here with Carrie Ann Burnett. Um, it's a crazy story that we're going to tell. So I will ask everybody to listen uh, just because the, this is uh, a bit. Um, how can I put this in the best word? It's hard for the people that are getting affected. So and and it gets a it, it's a wider subject, but uh, we'll talk about that. Hi, Carrie Ann. How are you? How are you? I'm okay so far. So, I mean, let's go to the beginning and and kind of explain uh, what has happened. Uh, you are originally from Jamaica, is that correct? Yes, I am from Jamaica. Which part of Jamaica? Actually, I was born in Montego Bay, but I relocated to Kingston when I was an, an actually an, an adult. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I I've been to Jamaica. I'm I'm originally from the Dominican Republic, so I'm pretty familiar with the Caribbean. Uh okay. so so you have a life there. Um um you lived there your whole life, correct? Yes. So how did you got into Canada? What 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 was the the reason that you came into Canada originally? I was given a uh, um, a farm. Normally in Jamaica, we would get like farms from the MP or from the the um, NIS office where we come to Canada for work purposes. So we do farm works in Canada. So I had gotten a farmer card from my counselor from 2017. It was, uh, I think it was 24 of us that got the card. Um... I actually everybody flied. I was the only one that was left back because when I got the card and I went through the selection and all of that, I the phone that I had went missing. I went back to the ministry a couple of times and gave tell them that what is happening and gave them another number, but I wasn't contacted. So in 2021, I got a call from the ministry saying that I should go do come and pick up my passport because my passport was there from 2017. Come and pick up my passport and go and do a, a medical a, a police record and come back in which I'll get a date for a medical and that's how the process started. So I came here on the 27th of April 2022 for working on a strawberry farm in Nova Scotia. Okay, so you you Wow, it took from 2017 to 2022 just to to come to get some work in a farm. Right. Wow, so what did you do before in Jamaica? Like, what, what was your way of living? I do different type of works. I, at one point, I rear chickens. I work um, at a supermarket where they have restaurants. So I was a part of the restaurant, so prepared meals and so forth. I I just about do anything that I put my hands to. So Okay, so yeah, so so just sort of random jobs and just to get by and things and then you have a family there. You have uh you have kids and I have six kids and two grandkids. Oh, okay. So basically you you know, you went around so you came here because of an opportunity, because of you know, it's more pay, 
Uh, you probably, if you get money in Jamaica, you probably earn more money here than you earned there, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. Yeah, um, you normally we we earn more money here because um a hundred dollars Canadian here is like uh, a little over ten thousand in Jamaica. No, in Jamaica, ten thousand dollars can't even take it to the supermarket. It, oh wow! It was all right. Ten thousand dollars is like what I give my 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 two twins to go to school. So one one will get five per week, and the other get five. So that's just hundred Canadian. Oh wow! So the 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 currency is really devalued there. So yes, and there are times when you will find yourself in a job, and when you find yourself in a job, you will work, 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 and when pay time come, you're not being paid, or there is some reason for you not to be paid, and all those stuff. So you're kind of frustrated sometimes when you come on to pay day. You'll be in Jamaica working, and it's like you're not working. You owe more bill than when you're not working on all those stuff. So, so for a lot of people that don't know. It's just for the opportunity. So for a lot of people that don't know, and again, uh, Jamaica is a very popular uh, tourist destination, especially Montego Bay, Ocho Rios, and places like that. But when you go to Kingston, which is the capital, you know, it's still a poor country. It's a third world country. Currency is devalued. Uh, you know, there's things like corruption and things like that, that there, it's there's definitely uh, a lot of politics around, uh, like anywhere, like in Latin America and in other places. So so you lived that your whole life and, you know, you came here because you wanted to get, you know, get a better living, get more money to work as a farm. So you took the opportunity. So when you land here, uh, that's when, uh, you know, you start working and that's when things start to happen. Is that correct? Yes. So detailed us uh, before going to that part, uh, you know, do you have to do a medical test before coming to uh, to Canada? Is that required to do the? Yes, we do. To do we that? do medicals. Yeah, we do medicals. And and um, for us to come to Canada, we have we have to go to do a medical, which we have to pay for that medical. It's very costly for us to come here. It costs a lot of money for us to come here. So I spent pretty much a lot to come here. And I didn't really make any money because I was sick most of the time. So it's like I was on the losing side. Oh, wow. So doing that, so you did your medical, everything went, was correct. And then you, you were able to come here to work. And and once you come to work, you, you get sick. That's that's yes. pretty much what. what and that, yes. uh, to my knowledge, it, it happened two months while you were working. You were working already in two months. Yes, yes, I was on in two months because I came here in April and it it happened in June. Okay, I took so you got it. So what was that led you to go to the doctor and and what happened? Tell us what happened once you go to the doctor because we know you got you got sick in you know while working and then you go to the doctor and, and what's the first thing? What happens first? All right, I was on the farm working. It was a Monday. And I was on the farm working. Now it, the weather was kind of on and off. So at times it was raining and at times the sun would come up. So I was like from wet to dry, wet to dry. So when I reached home the night, I had a shower, had something to eat. And then I went to bed. When I went to bed, 
I woke up about after 8 p.m. And when I woke up, I, I, I felt all of my body aching. Even my teeth were aching. That's how bad I was in pain. I There was a next girl in the room. Normally four persons would be in my room, but um, everybody didn't come up on the same flight. So it was 12 of us that came up on the flight. So two persons was in the room, me and a next girl. So I shouted to the girl that I wasn't feeling well. And she said, what well, I told her what was happening. So she went downstairs now to alert the other girls downstairs, which they came up to my room and I told them to call the supervisor. And one of the girls, I think she was there for probably eight or nine years. I said to her, cause she would be the, the, the oldest, the longest coming one in the house. I said to her, can you call the supervisor for me? She said to me that if I can wait till tomorrow morning, because she have seen situation like this before where people got sick in the night and they called for a supervisor and nobody came. So if you just try to say, I can't hold out till in the morning. So they gave me some painkillers and they used some alcohol and stuff and like kind of rub up my body and so forth. And I tried to go back to sleep. When I wake up in the morning, I was still feeling sick. So, but um, they were ready. They were getting ready to go to work. So I did the same. Now they would come and pick me up in the morning with transportation to go to the farm. But this morning, that morning, no, Tuesday morning, we were working close to the house where we were, where we were staying. So they said we could just walk over. It was just uh, probably a, a, a minute and a half walk over to the farm. So we walked over. When we walked over, I scanned. Then I saw the the soup. All right, there are more than one supervisors, but this one is she's more like a manager, but she's a supervisor. She was coming after I scanned. So I stopped and I waited on her to stop. Then I went to her and I said, Good morning. And she said, What what is happening? And I told her I wasn't feeling well. I told her how oh, I was feeling and asked her if I could be taken to the doctor. She said to me, maybe I'm coming down with the flu because she was saying her husband has a flu and a next supervisor has a flu. So probably I'm coming down with the flu. So I said to her, can I be taken to the doctor? She said to me that um, she has to make appointments for the doctor and the appointments that she has for the day is already finished. So I said to her, can I be taken to, can you make an appointment for tomorrow? for me to go to the doctor. She said to me that I must go back to the house and rest because maybe me need some rest. And that is not how they care people go doctor. Anyway, I went back to the house and I was there all day. Coming to the Wednesday morning, I was still feeling sick. So um, she came there, but she didn't come up, come up to my room. She was downstairs talking to a few other girls. Then she went away. By this now, there's a supervisor that is on the farm. She was asking questions that what is happening because she don't see me and so forth. So the girls that was at the house now was saying to her that I'm not feeling well. And they told the supervisor that I'm not feeling well. And the supervisor said, I must stay a woman, all of that. So the girls were complaining that they need to take me to the doctor. So with that now, the supervisor that was on the farm called the other supervisor and said to her, you need to take that girl to the doctor. She came to the house and she said to me that I'm going to take you to the hospital, but you'll have to pack some stuff like your chargers, snacks, juice, etc. Uh, a book to read and 
whatever, because I have to wait for like 13, 14, 15 hours to, before I can see a doctor. So I went ahead and packed some stuff and she came back for me and I went to the hospital. When I went to the hospital, I, I took, I think about 11 hours. Then I got to see a doctor. Now they did some blood tests and so forth. And the test came back, everything was okay. I had I had a a, a a urinary tract infection, so they treated me for that infection and give me some painkillers apart from the antibiotics. And then I came back home. I got a couple sick days, so I was I was off Thursday, Friday. Then the Saturday and Sunday would be our day off, so I was to return back to work on the Monday. I went back to work Monday. I worked right back till Friday. Then Saturday would be the day off again because it, the time it wasn't that busy. So we'd get a Saturday and a Sunday day off. Other than that, we wouldn't get any day off or probably one day off. So when this Saturday came now, I followed one of my coworkers. She, she came to the room and she said, yeah, how you feel and so forth. And I was telling her, she said, you're just in the house. So come on, make a walk go down the road because they have some more houses for the same company, but they are further down the road. So she said, come on, make a go down the house. She called the name of the house. So I said, all right, I'm coming. And I went down there with her. On her way back now, I stopped at a gas station to get some Gatorade and stuff in the convenience store. When I was inside of the store, I heard when she said it was raining. When I look outside, it was raining. So we were there waiting until the rain stopped. No, I didn't have like a jacket or so because the time was pretty hot. But she had a sweater that she tied around her waist. So she said to me that, all right, you're always sick. So you take the sweater. So she gave me the sweater and I put it on. And we were trying our best to reach back to the house before the rain come back down. On a section of the way, the rain had came down back, but we weren't far from the house. So we went home. When I reached at the house, I went upstairs. I open one of the Gatorade, drink about three quarter, and then I ate two biscuits. And when I eat the biscuits, I realized I lie down on the bed. I have my phone. I was doing something on the phone, but I realized I start feel severe pains in my belly. So I was like, what is happening? But I realized it was getting worse and worse. Um, there was this new girl that came up after she was in the room. So I said to her, go downstairs. And I told her to ask her a particular name because she don't know the people because she just come. So I said to her to ask her a particular name. So she went downstairs and she asked for the person. And the person came up and she said, what do you carry? And I said to her, I said, I don't know, I just know so my belly button feel like it's going to drop out and grow. And by I said that to her, I realized that I was, I couldn't breathe. So she said to me, um, make sure carry me go to the window, go see me could I get some fresh here. When we go to the window, it was worse. There was another window in the bathroom where there was a mesh there. So that would easily open more than the other window that was in the room. So I went to that window and she went to make some soup for me. When she came up back there, she said the soup was ready. But by the time she gave me the soup, at this point now, me start feeling more pain and then it's like, all of the breathing space starts to lock off now, like me have a pass out or something. 
So I get up and I run down the stairs. And when I run down the stairs, I open the door and I run out. When I run out, it was raining. So one of the girls hold me back and say, I'm not going to the rain. So I was sitting like on a little veranda part with on a chair. And the girls were around me. And they were trying to get me to breathe because I was I was like when somebody have asthma. So one of the girls went upstairs and get some inhalers because she was asthmatic and she took the inhalers to me and they were giving me puffs and trying to have me calm down. At one point, I couldn't I couldn't speak. There was no words coming from my mouth. No matter what I said, I could just know that my mouth was moving and all of that, but I, there was no words coming from my mouth. At this point now, I was extra scared. So I, I actually shouted that, I'm going to die. I realized when two of the girls run off, I don't know them, but they came like probably about two or three days ago. Two of the girls run off. They were crying and two of the girls run off. And they went to the barn to see if there was anybody there that could take me to the hospital. When she, when they went there, the boss himself was there. And I think that client was there that came to buy something from him. So I, I could see when the van, the boss van was coming, in, in a speed coming down the road and then he turned in the yard and there he was asking questions I couldn't talk so the girls were explaining what is happening to to him one of the girls called the supervisor and this and the supervisor the girl come and put her, her earphone in on my ears and I could hear the supervisor saying Karen calm down you need to calm down you're having a panic attack you need to calm down and she was just shouting my ears so I push away the earphone from my ears and the, the, the boss said to the girl, who is that on the phone? And they said, the supervisor and the boss said, tell her to call an ambulance. I was there like for more than half an hour. An ambulance didn't come. When there was a next vehicle coming, when the vehicle come now, it was the lady that was purchasing something from the boss. She was a, a nurse. So she came there and she asked what was happening and she took the inhalers from the girls and she actually gave the inhalers the right way. Oh, I was supposed to get it. And she was sitting, um, stooping in front of me and telling me to take deep breaths and what should I do until I was revived a little. No ambulance came. And I was there and there until the boss himself stepped away and called the supervisor and tell her she need to send an ambulance there. So with that, the ambulance came. When they came, um, they were there asking questions and the girls were answering the questions and so forth. And whenever a word can come out, I will tell them that I can answer that question and so forth. They took me to the hospital. And after I went to the hospital, I did some tests like ultrasounds and CT scans and so forth. So I was admitted and they said I have uh, abscess going in my belly and it was nine centimeters so they would have to do a surgery on me immediately so i had some paper to sign to do the surgery so i signed off the papers and do my necessary part so they took me to the surgery room and i did the surgery removing the abscess from my belly i spent seven days in the hospital and then went back home to the farm when i went back to the farm now I was there. I went to the farm. I did the surgery on the 24th of June. I the 23rd of June. I went back. I went back home on the 30th of June. Then I was there until the 10th of July. I was I had pains, but on the 10th, this pain was more than me. 
So I was rushed back to the hospital. I called the same girl and tell her how I was feeling. And then they took me back to the hospital and I was admitted again. Went through the same test again and they said that the, the, the abscess was back. So that was like probably about 12 days or 13 days after I did the surgery, the abscess came back. So um, at this point now, the doctor said she, she was going to um, send in like a requisition to the doctors here in Halifax because I cannot go to another surgery. And the abscess now that is there, it's four centimeters. So she said she's going to ask them if they could use something to draw it because I can't go back to another surgery. So they, I, I was at the hospital waiting on them to decide until I get back a message say yes, I can come. So I went to Halifax on the 19th of July. And when I came here, they put me under the CT machine again. Then the doctor said to me that um, it's not going to draw it because there's not much there to draw because it has re um, shrink to two centimeters. So he's saying probably it's because of the antibiotics that they were giving me. So it's going down. So I must continue taking the antibiotics and it will go away eventually. I didn't get a follow-up check on it to find out if it went away or it was still there or what. But I was I still had um checks at the hospital because by now the doctor had ordered a biopsy and uh a biopsy and a pap smear for me. Then the result came back where she was saying she have to do another biopsy this time. This time she, she's going to put me to sleep and take off a piece of the uterus and send it to the lab because she, she don't like what she's seeing. So she went ahead and do it. And when she did it, this, the result came back. And that's when I knew that I had cancer. Oh, wow. So in the uh... In the sparks of uh, two weeks uh, after test and a lot of pain, then they they diagnose you with cancer. Now, my question that is... Was in, when that you... was in September. That was in September. So I did the test. I did. I was sick from June. So I was, I was diagnosed on the 16th of September with cancer. Okay, so it started in June, and then only in September you got the diagnosed with cancer. Yes. And it's cervical cancer. That's that's yes. what they are. Yes, it's two. Now, it's actually two type of cancer, but it's in the but it's in the cervix. So it's in the inner part and the outer part. So it has two different names. So, you know, I I can't imagine what you what what your thought process is when somebody tells you that you have cancer. I mean, it 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 must be devastating. That's the only thing I can assume. Well, I don't know if we never really digest um, the diagnosis as much or what, but I didn't feel that bad until after. When she just told me I didn't feel that bad until the other day, the day after, when I had to share it now with people. So that's the time when I really felt bad. So you got the diagnosis with cancer. Um, you go to your September. workplace, yeah. yeah. And what what does the workplace say? What what does they say when you give him that? You saying that I have this cancer. I I did not tell them immediately. I did not tell them what was happening immediately. But 
they knew that I had doctor's visit and all those stuff, but I didn't tell him what, what had happened immediately. But when I was told that I had to do an MRI in Halifax and all those stuff, no, I went to the supervisor and tell the supervisor. And it's like, for my tell her that I have cancer and I tell the liaison officer, it's like, it's the wrong move I, I made by telling them. Because actually uh, one of the girls that was there, one of them told me to tell them because I don't think I would say it to them. And after I tell them, that's where everything just changed. All of my life just crashed right there. So once you told them, what, what was the action that they took? Well, when I all right, when I told them that I had cancer and I told them that the doctor said I, I should um remain here for treatment, they were like encouraging me and all of that. But after a while it became where they see that I really can't go to work. It was very hard on me because they were changing their minds now. Because um People would be there until sometime in November, mid-November, before they go home. Now, she said she would move me from that house that I was, because normally that, that house would lock down earlier than the other houses, because they have more houses. So she said she would move me from that house and put me to another house where I could get a little more time to kind of get my treatment and all of that. That was before she knew I had cancer. But from them find out, say, it was cancer, they just want to get rid of me. So they were booking flights and all of that. Um, Before I was diagnosed with cancer and I had to do the surgery for a piece of the uterus to be removed, the, the liaison officer went ahead and was booking flight for me. So I, the surgery was like the 12th of September and she and he booked a flight for me for the 14th of September. So I told the doctor what was happening. So the doctor had an earlier date for me to do the, 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 the biopsy. So she said to me, I'm going to do it for you on an earlier date. I'm going to try to see if I can do it on the 6th of September, which it wasn't possible, but she did it on the 8th. And she told me, do not tell the employers them that I did it. Just wait and let us see what happens because... We really need to find out what is happening. So when I did it, they didn't know that I, I had done the test already. So I just played along with them and went back on the 12th that I was supposed to do it. And I went back to the hospital and was there for a while. And then I called them and tell them to come back for me because I'm ready. So I went back home. But from there, realized that it, it was cancer. Everything, everything changed. Yes, I'm assuming because at, at that point, uh, they thought you were a liability at that point. Yes. And and that's uh, even and again, the, the sad thing is, is that the doctor said you can't leave. It's not it's not a choice at this moment. It's it's pretty much that you, you you're in a process. Yes. And and you, she gave me letters to pass on to them. She even talked to them about it. That's the liaison officer. I got letters to give to the, the supervisor and the liaison officer and she's she um took the liaison officer's number and she called him and explained the situation to him and tell him that I cannot leave because of the urgency of the treatment and all of that. And with all of that, them just won't get me out. Okay. So um 
so as we know, you refused to go uh, because again, you're you're in this process. So yes, I told um, him. I I told him I wouldn't take the flight. Okay, so fast forward. Uh, you know your you know your employer is starting to get rid of you. Uh, eventually, they do a statement saying that you were terminated, which I'm a mistake. Uh, I saw that on the news and then they pretty much wanted to get their hands wiped off of you and, and just move on. But you mm -hmm. still got this process. And because they have the work visa, uh, you no longer have a work visa. So your, your status changes to yes. your status changes. So what happens after that, after the, the employer tries to get rid of you and eventually, you know, that the status is gone. What have you been able to to do so far in order to well, to try? Well, to I had this... I, my status wouldn't be up until the the fifteenth of of um December. You know that's what was stamped on the visa, the work visa. So the I I I I was um not legal in the country until the fifteenth of December, which I went ahead with the help of um. Um, no one's illegal, and I reached out to the refugee clinic and I spoke to a lawyer there, and he went ahead and did an application for me, and I was granted a temporary resident visa. Okay, all right. So you you got the temporary residence visa, and just to be clear to our audience here, uh you're still in this process you're still doing chemotherapy you're still you're still doing all of this no actually i've gone through chemotherapy i've gone through radiation now the, because of the radiation i uh my situation got more complicated where i had to go i got really sick on february uh, my chemotherapy and my radiation finished on the everything was ended on the 31st of um January. No, I wasn't feeling that strong in the body and I was there until I took sick on the 7th of February and was rushed back to the hospital where I did a surgery again and had to stay there for three months and 11 days. No, the surge when I went there, they went through the same blood test and um, ultrasound and scans and so and there was this abscess there again and a part of from the abscess I had septis so it was causing me to have fevers and stuff like those so I was in a pretty bad shape because of the, uh, the radiation had um, affected some of the tissues and so forth so I have to be using an ostomy an ileostomy because it had damaged the bowels and so forth. So I have to be on an ileostomy now. Maybe for the rest of my life, I'm not, I'm not, well, that's what they are saying, but I still don't buy it, but I just right, so, have to go on. So right now, what is the, the status of you right now in in Canada, like what's the status? You still have the the permanent resident visa. Is that still yes. the status? Yes, until next year, January. 
until next year, January. And if um, when this type of thing comes, one of the things that I've seen and, and I have read, and this is according to the Jamaican Observer, which is one of the most prestigious newspapers in, in Jamaica, it says that it is uh, an indignity to be poor in and have health care in Jamaica. According to the Jamaican Observer, this is not me, says that the healthcare system in Jamaica, although it's public and free, is one of the worst systems in the Caribbean. Would, it's would not you free. Say that that's... It's not free. It's not free there. Healthcare is not free there. You have hospitals there that you can go, which is government-owned hospital, but the treatments that you get there, it's not good. And yeah, you, that's... all right, say for instance, you, 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 you would um have an appointment. If I was in Jamaica, I, I wouldn't start getting chemo or radiation yet. I'd be in a line waiting. So probably I would be deceased by now. Well, according to this report, it would probably take you of income up to a hundred thousand American dollars to get treatment there. Would that be correct? It could be more too if I use if I use the um the private hospital. Yeah, it's very expensive. And you have to pay so, for the services there. So pretty much again, and, and I'm just I'm just emphasizing here, uh if you weren't here, you probably would be dead in Jamaica. Would that yes. be an understatement? Yes, yes, because I, I have seen my, my aunt died from cervical cancer in 2005 because uh, uh, I think they don't have the resource or I don't know. It was, and she was actually hot at the um the government hospital and she, she didn't make it. She passed. Yeah, because according to this, also, uh, the Jamaican hospitals do not have enough. Uh, they do not have enough staff. In fact, the they are getting resources from the government of Cuba to get some staff there for specialization. So they don't even have enough staff to fill out certain voids I don't, of I don't, the healthcare. I don't really think it's the staff. Yes, they are short staff, like here, it's short staff also. But I don't think it's the staff. I think more like they are not really equipped. The things that, 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 um, all right. Say for instance, I'm supposed to do a scan, right? I, I couldn't get it done in the hospital there because they have, they don't have certain type of machine. So I'd have to go out and do it privately, which it costs thousands of dollars. And that's, so I'd have to that's go what I I'll have to go out of the hospital. Even if I'm a, a patient that is admitted there, I'd have to go out of the hospital to go do an ultrasound, which it costs is money again. Okay, so basically what you're saying is that uh, if the case would have been that, let's say that you would have taken that plane, uh, most likely you wouldn't have the money to get treatment and you would have to wait a long time even, even to get treatment there. Yes. And I'm making my decision to stay here. I have a cousin back in Jamaica. She is a surgeon at one of the popular hospitals. And I called her and now I tell her that I was diagnosed with cancer and they're trying to get me out of the country and all of that. And she said to me, listen, if it takes you to, um, like 22 hours to travel back and forth to get treatment, 
do not take that plane, come here, or you're going to die. Oh, wow. So, so right now, besides the health issues, like, which is quite common, like you said, you, you will probably, even if everything goes well, you probably will still be doing these type of treatments for the rest of your life. Uh, again, cancer comes and goes. Uh, some people are very lucky that they beat cancer and it never comes back. Some people return. I, I had a friend that uh, she passed away due to cancer and uh, she was cancer free for a while and then it just came back. Uh, so this is something that you probably will have to, even if in the best case scenario, you probably will have to deal with this the rest of your life. Uh, what would be, besides getting healthier uh, right now, what what are the struggles that you're having right now besides help with the situation that you're currently in? Well, my biggest problem here now is MSI. And because I don't have MSI, sometimes I, I, I am being denied certain type of care. Say, for instance, with the ostomy now, I, I, I am supposed to get um, ZON visitors. And because I don't have an L card, I've not, never gotten any of those visits. I went to the hospital for a PET scan once and I was denied a PET scan because I don't have insurance. I went for blood works and I was denied the blood works. Say I must pay up front because I don't have any insurance. So basically, wow, that's the challenge. So is there any way, because uh, I know if you have a permanent residency, which you don't at this moment, that would be solved. You would get probably your, your MSI card, your Medicaid card, and, and probably things will be easier. What would be the steps for you to get a permanent residence here? Um, I'm not sure. Really not sure. I'm really not sure. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Okay, because uh, I think that that might be some type of an option. But again, I, I don't know. I'm not an immigrant person. Uh, so that might be uh, something that, that don't. So I think In because I'm words, not working, I think because I'm not working, that would be a challenge though. Yeah, uh, that, that might be. And and again, that's definitely something that, that we would ask around. So, you know, just to to get things out, what would be the perfect scenario for you if, if you would have, besides being healthy, because, you know, nothing beats being healthy. You, I, I, I'm pretty sure you would wish that you would be healthy and with your kids and with your family and everything. But at this point, that's not the case. What would be your best scenario that you would think of uh, from this situation? I, I wish, I wish that no, 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 but no migrant worker could be in my situation right now. So I wish I could just change all, all, all um, they think about us. Um, we pay taxes here in the country, just like citizens here. So I think we should have access to services here too because we what? we work here and we help to develop the country. So we should have our fair share. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I'm I'm a little bit uh you know concerned about, especially with the treatment that you got in the place, is that you had to get a medical test to come here. It's it's not like you were sick before, or at least you you your diagnosis wasn't in. It wasn't until you got here 
that right. they was diagnostic and stuff. And and again, nobody wants to be sick. And I'm pretty sure you want to work and you wanna you wanna you just wanna have a better life for yourself. That's that's all that people want. That's why people come here to work. And right. it's not like you it's not like you're not needed because if you were not needed, you wouldn't be here. Uh and that's what it would have started. So now that you are in this situation, um, who's helping you and what steps are they taking to to try to help you further? Well, I get I um I get support from no one's legal. And like um from my family members would send me money at times when they have it. Wow. So with your with your status, I mean, right like that's that's how you survive day to day, like just because of them. So you, you have no family in Halifax, you have no 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 way of sustaining yourself because you're sick, that's one. So and the other one is that I I have a go for me page, but I haven't received any money for quite a while now. But um I'm very grateful because they have done a lot for me. And the money that they donated to my GoFundMe page, it has helped me a lot because in times when I go to the hospital, even when I'm doing radiation and chemo, and I go to purchase, purchase drugs. And so that's when I know that my, my private insurance was denied. I had to buy those medications from my pockets and so forth. So it has been a big help to me, but I don't get any money a couple of months now. Still grateful though. No, I I definitely seen that. So, what? And again, I I say this to so people can hear from from somebody that's that's getting through this. If you could, you know, tell your experience to other workers and to other people, what would you say to them? You're 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 only asking for you know for you to get treated. You're you're not really asking for that much. You're just asking to get treated and and hopefully get better so you can you know so you can live so you can live. That's that's all you want to do. How yeah. would you explain that to to somebody that that has never gone through what you're going through? Well, to be honest, everybody that approached me from Jamaica about this um, farmer program, I tell them, do not come here. Straightforward, me just tell them, listen, yes, I know you, no come here. Why is that? Because we're not treated fairly here. And the employers, they, they treat us like trash. A dog is more important here than we. And I'm going to say this because this is what this podcast is about. Uh, do you think race has something to do with it? Yes, I do. I've, I I don't have a problem since I've been in Halifax. But back in Turo, where I was before in Great Village, there is a lot of racism there. So we are not treated fairly. And we are we, once you can't work, you know, value nothing. If you're sick, it, fear, dear. It's like they want to send you home, them threaten you. 
you should co all when you're sick, you should come to work and they're letting you know that other people out there that wants the opportunity and they can send you home and all of that. There are a lot of things going on, but the workers are afraid to talk because they think that if they come out publicly next year, they won't call them again. So they're afraid to talk. And that's, as I tell you, that's their only um, source of living. So nobody wants to lose their bread. So they don't want to come out and talk. But it's re it's happening. It's happening. And we have a liaison officer where you can't, or if you're having a problem, you cannot contact him and tell him about the problem because he is he, for the employer, not for us. We pay him every day five dollars something we pay out our money whether we go to work or not he's entitled to five i think five dollars 40, 40 something cents and he's been getting paid for this what the service he's not doing so he's for the employers he's not for us wow so and you know this is not new there has been many complaints of how canada treats their foreign workers and you, unfortunately, you know, we're glad that you're talking about this, but uh, there, there's thousands of cases, hundreds of cases of people uh, like you, except that, you know, they don't get this, you know, they don't get this deep into a situation like yourself, because, again, uh, I'm pretty sure you would like to be healthy than anything else because, you know, and live. Uh, but unfortunately, you got in this situation. So. I definitely going to follow up and see what what happens now. Now I will try to see if you know if, if any migrant lawyer is listening, or anybody that can uh, specialize in migrant law. See how uh, there is any way to you to get some type of permanent residency so you can just get your healthcare benefits and and you're able to you know just get treated because it's it's just inhuman that you can't get treated. And you get this because, again, nobody's asking to be sick. I don't think anybody asks to be sick. I think any people ask to be treated fairly. And and it's something that is not happening to you right now. So, you know, I would like to know what would be the best case scenario for you. Well, again, health. I like to obtain all the treatments that I can get. If I if I can get to be a resident, just to access all of that. If it's that's the case, well, I just have to do what I have to do. Yeah, I I I think the that will be that's the best case. You have to do what you have to do to to be alive because I'm pretty sure your family and your children. And anybody there uh, wants you to be alive and, and you want to be alive and, you know, you just want to live like everybody else. So that's that's not too hard to ask. So, uh, Karen, I do want to thank you for sharing your story. Uh, we'll definitely follow up. I, and... um, excuse me. I think there's another point, too, that I think I should speak about. All right. Sure. There is a system here where... If you're working and you get sick here, right? Um, you're it's like you're being sent to special doctors or clinics where the the, the, the employers have links in the system. So 
if you go there and you go there for your finger, say for instance, for your finger, and you come back and you don't want to share, say, why whatever happened to your finger? They just call the clinics and get all the information. Doctors there are giving out information about patients. And I think that's supposed to be confidential. But it's happening. Oh wow, yeah, it, it is supposed to be confidential. You, it you you would need to know your consent in order to send information, especially in in your situation, which is very delicate. It, it, uh, it wasn't done to me, but I, I know of people who it was done to because I I went to hospitals, not clinics. Okay. I, haven't, I, I haven't been to the clinic, but I know more than one, more than two, more than three persons who they took to the clinic and the, those people at the clinic give out information on them. Oh, wow. So... Now that you experienced that, and, and I'll, I'll ask you uh, one last question. What do you say to people that are saying, well, uh, you know, go back to your country or you can't do this or why don't you get a job or why don't you do this or why don't you do that? Like we, we hear this before. And what would you tell those people that that don't understand this situation? Well, I don't really listen to negativity. You know. There are people there that are going to talk. Because when I came public, Jamaicans bash me. So I don't really listen to negative thoughts. I listen to positive energy. Because if I was listening to negativity, I wouldn't be here right now. Probably I would have passed away already because of what people have to say or whatever. But as we would say in Jamaica, nobody goes to a shop or a supermarket and purchase sickness, cancer, or anything type of sickness nobody goes there to purchase it so not until they're in my shoes not until they wear my shoes then they can judge my situation so once they're not in my shoes they can't judge me yeah i i definitely agree with that so uh karen if somebody wants to get in touch with you to help or to see if they can uh try to help your situation in any shape or form uh who can they contact or where can they contact you well, um, I'd rather they get in touch with um, No One's Illegal. So that's um, okay. Stacy. Yeah. Okay. So, um, like I said, I I wish you the best and we, we will talk and hopefully we can get, you know, hopefully you can get it, everything that you need to be healthy and, and hopefully you can see your family again because I, I, I'm pretty sure that you miss them. So. Uh, you know, I know you talk to them and things like that, but it's it's not the same. So, uh, I want to thank Stacy as well, uh, for keep, keeping me in contact with you. I definitely appreciate that. And guys, if you want to know more, uh, just go to our website, blackinthemaritimes.com. Uh, go to Facebook, Twitter, uh, Threads right now, TikTok, and you can find us at Black in the Maritimes. Peace.